everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Grow a Fan Base podcast. I say this every time, but I am extremely excited about this episode. This is going to be a joyful conversation because this guest that I have on, we have known each other for close to probably 20 years now. Um, and I have not meaningfully talked with him in probably 10 or so years. We've caught up here and there, but to sit down and actually have probably about a 30, 45 minute conversation, we've not done in quite some time. So I have Kyle Lacey with me. Welcome, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing good. I think the last time we had a meaningful conversation was at a, probably a Wolfie's in Noblesville or Carmel. Yeah. Oh, man. Memories. Probably, probably a deck. Uh, probably a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, it's before you. It's, it's been ten years, and we were both. So the way we know each other, just so we can clear that air and, and catch everybody up, uh, a little bit smaller Indiana. Um, I think that's that was a platform that you were, and we'll get to that in a minute. Basically, the unofficial like welcome committee um, for smaller yeah, Indiana, and then and then I think we really got to know each other. We were both like running marketing companies. We were in the Rainmakers yeah. Network. We'd see, and we're the same age, right? So we would run into each other. We hung out, all that good stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to list a few things about you, and then I want to get your reaction to how you feel about these things, okay? okay. I, didn't, right. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Nope. Uh, so LinkedIn, 42,000 followers. Twitter, 34,000 followers. You're a three-time author. You're currently the chief marketing officer at Jellyfish. Uh, you sit on, I don't know how many boards, but let's just call it a half a dozen different boards. I don't know how you even have the time to do that. You traveled the world uh, delivering keynote and you know, public speaking, and now you're a guest on this podcast. So one of those doesn't quite line up with all the other things you've done. But when I say all that, how does, what are you, 39, 40 now? Like we're the same age, right? So how does, how does and we won't, we won't throw specific numbers out, um, but I mean, let's just say you're in your 30s and you still look great, by the way. Um, how Dude. does all of that make you feel when I read that? Like, did you think 20 year old Kyle would have those accomplishments under your belt? Yeah, I mean, I it's always weird to hear stuff like that, man. You know, I, it goes I go back thinking like when you when you're introduced to speak at a conference or something and they have this bio that somebody wrote or you yep. wrote and sent to them, it's always weird. To hear because it's it's rare that I think about that type of stuff. You know, mostly it's hey, do what you enjoy, do what you love, and the rest of the stuff will come. You know, and so yeah, the the correction there is that I'm on one board. You only I do, advi I do advisory roles, but the one board. So everything else, top like <laughs> top of the career here. You know, it's the one board that. That uh, that was a little bit different, but well, thank goodness okay. you have a little bit of extra time. Then, if you're not on six boards, you're just on one, but then serve as an advisor to like half a dozen others. <laughs> and so, I'm glad your work life balance is under control. Yeah. We might want to talk yeah, about that. We and, could, yeah, we, we, could we can get into that. that. Um, all right. So, in order to basically catch us up to where you are today, I think we have to go back to the beginning, right? So, I want to talk about your first job out of college because i think that the person you worked for was very instrumental in encouraging you which is very rare right to mm -hmm. have that in a boss encouraging you to go do your own thing 
Um, so you worked for a company called Roundpeg. Yeah. Um, shout out Lorraine Ball, old yep. school Indiana Rainmakers Network, right? Um, and you were the graphic designer, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and I think it is important to mention Rainmakers because I met Lorraine and Tony Selzo and you and a bunch of people that were instrumental to my early career at Rainmakers because my father made me go to it when I was in college, which <laughs> you can think about how awkward that is for like a sophomore in college meeting a bunch of people yeah. in, in an indie in an Indianapolis networking group. But Lorraine, um, I I taught, Lorraine had no business hiring. I taught myself graphic design in college. It wasn't something that, it was something I enjoyed doing. And she thought, you know what? I might as well hire this kid because he keeps annoying me. <laughs> and uh, she was, I mean, she taught me a lot about how to manage customers. She taught me a lot about how to deal with screw ups and failures. And then, when I I had always talked to her about starting a marketing agency because it's something that I really enjoyed doing, and she let me start the agency and use her office and everything about her office and and workspace for free. I think it was probably the first year that I got it up and running. And and honestly, if you looked at them, if you looked at both businesses. Side by side, we were competitors. Yeah, for that's the most unheard part. of. You guys yeah. did pretty much the same thing: small business, marketing, yeah. building websites, <laughs> branding, yep. strategy. Right. Yep. Yep. And so that that was my first um, view into you know how, what it means to be an empathetic leader or person because she she still does, but she she exuded it when I worked for her. Yeah. Well, and I think, man, it's extremely rare because my first job out of college, we won't name the name of that company, um, but you probably remember, I mean, I worked for a small graphic design marketing firm in Noblesville and ended up after 90 days, he couldn't afford to keep me. And then I went and started Media Plug and got a yeah. phone call uh, four weeks into it with a threat to sue me. And so just completely different. You have yeah. Lorraine and then you have this, uh, it's completely different. All right. So you, what do you think really drove you to really wanting to start your own thing? Uh, I mean, a lot of it was ego. A lot of what we talk about, they, I think there's confidence and there. There's ego. I had a lot of both in my, in my early twenties. Okay. So well, let's a lot of it was, that. well, I, I think it was mostly that, um, my my father had run his own business for 20 years and it's the entrepreneurial spirit of like starting something and owning something uh was just was was what i wanted to do and, uh, outside of that lorraine was the only person that would hire me i think i interviewed at like five places <laughs> so okay <laughs> your dad was when dan wasn't it dan lacy yeah, 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 yep. yeah what was his business uh, he's like a CFO for five to twenty million dollar service companies. Okay, so he's like a high, like a contract. Like he was the solopreneur before, like all the tech that pros started doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so so that that's kind of and then you know we started getting more opportunities to uh, do website work and design work and and finally social social became. A, a very strong um, 
product that we sold for a long time before the business failed miserably. But that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. That's a, that's a whole other episode, <laughs> which is great. We, I'd love to talk about your failures too. Um, but okay, so what 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 were the strategies? So I mean, you you basically you launch your own thing, right? And let's just let's just call it like it is. I mean, you probably don't have a ton of cash to invest in this company. No. You're bootstrapping this thing. You're 20, early twenties. What were some of the strategies for you to go grow your fan base? It, it was the same as networking at Rainmakers. The more people you met, the better. I mean, honestly, yep. like it, numbers it, game. it's yeah, numbers game. And so it was a lot of coffees at a lot of Starbucks. It was a lot of networking events and happy hours and smaller Indiana was a portion of that where um, I don't even know why, but I started welcoming everybody that joined the site, which was a lot at the time. Shout yeah. out to Pat Coyle for starting that site because it was pretty instrumental for a couple of years. Oh my goodness. There was what, like, I think when I joined, there was like a thousand. And then when it kind of hit its peak, there were like five or 10. Was, I can't yeah, remember the number, but there was a lot of thousands of people. Yeah. And your name was coming up on every single so basically smaller indiana was a facebook that was yeah. focused on indiana and making it smaller right so yeah. business connections strategic connections but i think you which is something that i've always thought about you you have a very good creative way of seeing opportunities and and taking hold of those opportunities where others would sit on the sidelines. So what what Kyle would do would basically, when you signed up for Smaller Indiana, I mean, within 24 hours, there's a notification in your inbox that says, Kyle Lacey's just written on your wall. Yeah, and it's very, very MySpace. <laughs> yes. Kyle's going to be in your top five friends, and you don't even know it. <laughs> um, the components to it, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, yeah, so that they – yeah, that was more force feeding people. <laughs> yeah, I well, mean, it, but here's the deal. It was, I wanted to be recognized. I still do. It's still a, the dopamine of, of posting things and getting comments and liking still exists in my oh, head. Yeah. It's not, yeah. that doesn't go away. So it was just a, it was a different flavor um, of, I guess it's all different flavors of dopamine, but um, it, it was, I wanted to be recognized. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to people to know who I was and what I was doing. And that just naturally um, drove business. Yep. Um, I wouldn't say that we were the best at performing the said business we were selling, but you know, it did drive uh, demand and value and built my network initially for sure. I, I would say you were probably the best at people knowing who you were in brand swag. There wasn't anybody in that circle that you could run into that I didn't mention your name or they didn't mention your name, right? So I think that that, whether you want to believe that you were the best or not the best at like delivering logos and strategies. I was just, I was just there yeah. all the time. Like yeah. I did not miss... I mean, you know, you're you're single, you're in a new city, you know, of course, you're going yep. to all the networking events. I mean, for me, it's what I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed meeting people, meeting as much people as possible. And so that will naturally build a, a 
I, I wouldn't call it a fan base, but definitely a network, definitely a community. But I think you were also, weren't you also coupling that strategy? You guys were blogging a lot, right? You were producing a mm -hmm. lot of content when yeah. blogging was still kind of a predominant way to get messaging out there. You were yeah, putting in that effort too. Did you ever sleep in your 20s? <laughs> I still, I, well, I, I sleep more now just because we're old, but um no, you not still, really. Yeah, I know that I, I can text you at 5 a.m. and you're going to reply back to did. me. I know, you texted, I know you're you up. You texted me at 5.55 this morning. Yeah. So I, I, I know, I'm like, this guy's that. up. I know he's up. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know. I think it's always been, I think it started early on in my life, honestly, with Yahoo chat rooms and AOL Instant Messenger. And just, we, we, we grew up in a time period where, you taught yourself how to communicate online. Yep. And it kind of has just stayed with me. Like it's a, I, I would spend hours on a site called friend feed when I had brand swag and friend feed, Brett um, Taylor, who just left Salesforce as a co-CEO. He founded this site called friend feed that Facebook bought that basically created the wall on Facebook. Yep. And I'd spend hours on this side of friend feed, just chatting with people on basically a Facebook wall, hours. And I, I I couldn't necessarily tell you why. It was just I really enjoyed meeting and building a network of people. Yeah. I didn't hate the term network, but so that that's just <laughs> followed me since since uh you know high school when we were doing AOL Messenger and and GeoCities and MySpace. I think it's just ingrained in what drives me. Well, I don't want to fast forward over a lot of things, but would you say that that network has a lot to do with where you are today? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, and, and it's, I mean, it's also, it's also not being afraid of doing things like the 40 under 40 that I got when I was 24, I had no business, no business being on that 40 under 40 for the Indianapolis business journal. I, I, I've, Guarantee you I conned my way into that for sure. <laughs> so I'm on the 40 under 40 and that's where I met Scott Dorsey at a networking event for 40 under 40. And Scott Dorsey has been part of my career for since 2012. Yeah. Right. So, so it's, there's compounding interest on all this stuff, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there and not be afraid of, of failing. And that's, so th there's two, commonalities that I'm finding amongst the people that I've interviewed so far is one, do what you love, create mm -hmm. or lead or go do something that you enjoy and not necessarily that there is a strategy in place from day one. If you do that, the other stuff will take care of itself, right? And then actually getting off of the sidelines, I kind of have this phrase like, all right, put me in coach, I'm ready to play. Like yeah. get off the bench and get in the game, right? It's just the people who actually do the things, right? They go network or they build the content or they start a video or a podcast or what have you. I've seen those two things, no strategy, do what I love and actually just do it are the two things that I'm kind of learning throughout well, this series of interviews. Yeah. I mean, you look at any successful person, there's one commonality and it's consistency. It doesn't yep. matter. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't have a LinkedIn strategy. I'm consistent though. Like yep. I don't, I don't, I didn't have like, I did, I did have a goal to become a CMO before. Yeah. Um, 
before a certain age, but that that's one of the only goals I've ever set. Yeah. It's mostly just consistency, do what you love, uh, try not to screw up too royally. <laughs> and, um, and it, and usually, I mean, at least for me, it, it's been, um, for the most part across since I graduated college in 2006, it's been great. I've yeah. very much enjoyed what I do for the most part. Well, we can unpack for the most part on another episode, but let's, let's, let's do talk about the, so that your company was brand swag yeah. and I won't, I won't make you uh, unpack like the unfolding of that, but it did end at some point. Right. Yeah. Um, you want to give like the 30 second why it ended? Yeah, I mean, I, I started the company with a, um, a roommate of mine from Anderson University, Brandon Kuhn. And we yep. got to the point where uh, we had brought on partners, the business had grown, and I he wasn't in it. I was not in it. I had way too much wrapped into of my ego into the company. And it just wasn't, nobody was happy. And so, you know, for me it made complete sense to be like, Hey, like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, and I left and, and that company evolved and changed and now it's gone. But, um, that, I mean, brand swag, which turned into mind frame. I, yep. I remember that. We, that's the reason I have, I got the job at exact targets because they were a customer. And so, you know, I, there's tons of things I would have done differently. I was a complete, I mean, I was mid twenties, egocentric, mid twenty year old male, yeah. right? Like it just—you yep. can imagine there was it, there was a lot of stuff to unpack there. But eventually, it led to the job at Exact Target, and that and talk about understanding how to build a fan base. I mean, that I couldn't have picked a better—I couldn't have picked a better job, honestly, for my time in my life and with the books that I'd written and the fact that they paid for me to go and speak at. 50 events a year like yeah it was the perfect it was the perfect opportunity for me i'm just glad i had another job that was that i was thinking of and i'm just glad i didn't take that one shout out to my wife who's my <laughs> girlfriend at this time saying hey i really think you should do exact target and not this other one didn't she wait a minute hold on but she worked at exact target yeah, she, she, well that's she why did, yeah. she wanted you to come there yeah well, she problem, wanted she problem. wanted to work with you all that, day long all that, all that had, we'd already figured all that stuff out no and, and to be honest with you she probably wouldn't want to work with me all day long there was a time frame when we were on the same floor oh and my then God. after the acquisition by salesforce there was a time frame where she would have worked on a team that I was managing and she left. That's not the reason she left, but it was oh, like, okay. I was like, I was like, hey, hey. you're going to have to work with Kyle or you're going to have to get a different job. Yeah, I'm out. I'm leaving. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I have a hard enough time in the separation of church and state. So that, that was definitely something that we talked about, but yeah. So, I mean, the agency, you learned a lot. I grew I grew a lot in that process, but um, it led me to the best career decision that I've ever made, which was join Exact Target. So why was that? So what was your role at Exact Target? We had a team called, it was basically a thought leadership team. So our job was to produce content and research and then go speak about that content and research at conferences and that and attend. Like you basically, I wrote, I wrote some social media books that I don't, um, Twitter marketing for dummies, which you can't buy now anyway, but it, they would, they would 
bring me to dinners and events because I was a social media expert and I would talk at these events and dinners about social and email and yeah. digital marketing and all that stuff. So I joined a team of three at the time and then halfway through my time there, about a year and a half in, we, Tim Kopp, who was a CMO at the time, invested a ton of money in building a content marketing team that I ran. So I had the opportunity to build a content marketing team from the ground up with Jeff Roars at the time, who was my boss. And we hired, we had 13 people on that team um, up, up, up to the IPO and acquisition. But it, and this was 2012, 2013, 2014. So it was, I mean, I even had a video podcast with Jay Bear, which was I remember, very yeah. odd at the time. Very odd. Oh, he would be, oh, man, I need to probably do this podcast for a lot longer before asking him to come on, but he would be a phenomenal guest. Oh, he, he would, I mean, he'd, be, he'd probably do yeah. it. You could probably um, just send him that soundbite of me saying he would probably do it, and then he'll. I'll, I'll pull that out and send it. Hey, Kyle basically committed you to go ahead and uh, do this podcast with 25 downloads. It's fine. I mean, you know, we got to start Look, somewhere. But but Jay, I mean, I met, I, I think I probably knew Jay before Exact Target, but Jay is the reason I have my first true board, board seat. He introduced me three months ago to this company. And Jay and I haven't worked together in, since Exact Target. Isn't it crazy? It's crazy. Again, we did a little said, bit of stuff for lessonly, but it's been a while. It's been a long but time. But like compound interest, right? Like network and meeting people, and you never know 10, 15 years later what yeah. happens, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're at exact target. Is that the first? I mean, I know you guys had some employees at Brand Swag, but is that kind of the first run in of you actually like really like managing high performance yeah. teams? Yeah. And it was. Did, is that what would you say kind of is a your management style and b how did you learn how to manage people uh, i mean i i think i i grew into my management style because at exact target i was still traveling twice a week and managing a team so i was forced into what i do today which is very hands-off proactive and and trusting high performers to get a job done. And I I definitely learned that at Exact Target. Yeah. And I and I had the opportunity to work work with people and for people like Daniel and Candela, like Tim Kopp, like Jeff Roars, and work with people like Catherine Lohide that are just really, really high performers. And so you know, you kind of, Heike Baird was on the team. We hired her at Exact Target. Now she's like running all of content for Salesforce. So I um, I think that it's just about hire. I learned how to hire the right people because I didn't have the time to manage them to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> but you and, did, and it, okay, so. I think it worked. I, I think it worked in the long run. Well, sure. I mean, in, so what would you like attribute to making the decision to hire the right people like what stands out to you as somebody who's like wow like they seem like a good is it a personality thing is it is it more skill set thing or is it you just have a gut feeling thing uh it, it it's definitely changed but if we go back to exact target it was all gut and yep. and, and jeff jeff Roar's opinion on who we should hire at the time okay. i mean it was a lot of gut because i had no idea now it's now it's a little bit more. I would like to think it's a little bit more tactical. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, you're I mean, hiring different types of people, but that's right. You know, we didn't know content marketing as a 
as a function didn't exist. Like the fact that we had research reports that we were using for thought leadership didn't was not happening in the market. Like I would argue that Jeff Roars was one of the first people to do state of reports and now yeah. everybody does a state of report. Oh yeah. Right? Dime a dozen now. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, we didn't know what we were doing. So we just hired, we, you know, whether we were moving people internally over or we were hiring writers or, um, video, like it was just people that we enjoyed working with and, and it worked out. I mean, exact target was a great place to work. Yeah. And then did you stay on, after remind me like yeah. your transition you stayed on after salesforce acquired right yeah so salesforce we ipo'd and were acquired within like three or four months i think of of the two of it happening and uh that was 2013 i stayed on for a year and it um i'm just not built for large software companies it's yeah. just not so i knew that i knew that pretty quickly and that's when because of scott dorsey I I joined OpenView, which is a venture capital firm in Boston, because the yep. the founder of OpenView was on the exact target board. Okay, and so it was you know it's compounding. It was like hey, and that made sense to me. Like at the, in hindsight, it's easy to talk about, but I think I think deep down it made sense to me that if I wanted to continue in software, venture capital would be a great place to go. Be, and it was a gut. It was a gut feeling. And it was also, it was also the one opportunity I had out of the couple I was looking at that terrified me, because if we moved to Boston, it's a bigger city. I had no, like, I had no clue about venture capital. They just had a had a lot of content marketing, so that so I appealed to them. Um, and but it was because of Scott. So this, so it terrified you. So this was a swim out past the breakers moment for you. So you, uh, did you have kids then? No, no. But you were maybe we you were married. We were married. We didn't have kids. So it, it was, it was more professionally terrifying. It was like, is this yeah. really what is this? Should I go? Should I go to work for another exact target that, but it wouldn't be in Indiana because there wasn't one. Yep. And, uh, if I can remember correctly, it was mostly just, Hey, this, this seems cool. It, it, the gut is, is saying go because of ego. Like, wow, I work for a venture capital firm now. <laughs> well, and it probably gave you the opposite side of everything, right? Like the lens from a venture capitalist firm versus yeah, working. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't, I don't think I, I don't think I took that in initially. I, yeah. you know, after you, after you work there for two years, it, you definitely can see the other side of it because we're making investments and, yep. I was helping the portfolio. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the other side of working at OpenView for two years, you you get an MBA in software because all yeah. you're doing is either looking at companies, talking about companies, talking to people who work at these companies or investing in them. And you're sitting through, you know, operate operating meetings and all that stuff. So it's it's uh, QBRs, everything. So, so it, was, you- uh, it was a good next step for me, for sure. So then open view to Lessonly, right? Yeah, I I um it was definitely time for me to go back into operating because I just I I wanted to. I missed yep. it. And um it didn't make a lot of sense for me to continue staying at OpenView, even though I still I'm I still talk to people who work there and I still refer people and they refer people to us and you know, but the whole Boston ecosystem's pretty close like it is in Indy. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Leslie was a portfolio company of OpenView. Scott Dorsey was on the Leslie board. <laughs> so and, I'm hearing that name a lot. Scott, yeah. Scott is the common theme here, which is great. Scott, I mean, you always need somebody in your corner, right? Yeah, yeah. And I and and he um I've said this to him multiple times, probably too much. It's probably annoying, but he he was <laughs> definitely there's a handful of people who've been pretty instrumental in yeah. my career, and he's like towards the top for sure. So Lessonly, you know, I I wanted a role where somebody would give me a shot at being a VP of marketing, even though I hadn't been. And Max Yoder, um, we just clicked, and I had a couple of opportunities. We were looking to move back to Indy because we just had Caden, our firstborn, and uh, the Lessonly role was the best one. And yeah. that that was also a, I don't know, I've I've been I've been very lucky for with the decisions I've made. Um, and, and, and at least from, from a job perspective, that's so, then well, that is because of the community. It's because of the network. It's because yep. of, I spend an inordinate, probably too much time, uh, building my network for a lot of reasons. And, but it, and pay, I, it pays off, right? It does. It pays it does. dividends. I think Lessonly is probably the one where I really noticed you outsider looking in absolutely build a team build content build culture um and like scale that company be an instrumental part in scaling i know there's a lot of people that helped but like really just outsider looking in i feel like that's when i really took notice of like oh my goodness like kyle is like killing it he's crushing it and lessonly is an interesting story also for me because I think one of the guys actually was living in North Carolina because yeah, um, they pitched they pitched at a, a like when I did a short stint with like doing Verge um, with Matt Hunkler um, down here in North Carolina they pitched yeah like when it was like three people they pitched yeah. at a at a Verge event and so when you went there I was like man I know those guys like I'm familiar with that company so when did when you started how many people were there. Uh, 50 probably give or take. Okay. And so you came in as VP of marketing. Yep. So talk to me about sort of the strategies or what you were able to accomplish during your time at Lessonly, because again, I mean, I feel like that is when I really saw, and maybe I just was seeing it more or paying attention to you more or whatever was happening or the algorithm just shifted and said, I'm going to show you every single thing Kyle posts. Sure. Um, but I feel like it was like you, it exploded while you were there. I, look, I, I think that um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put it down to a couple sentences and it's one that I learned at exact target. So exact target had a saying, it was either a value or just a saying of surprise and delight. And they, yeah. we said yep. it constantly. And yep. I think it was a value, but um, I took that too lessonly, the concept of it, because as marketers, the only thing that makes us relevant is the experience that everybody else is having around us. Like if the experience is bad, you're not relevant. You are yep. not relevant. It's your yep. job to own that. And so I took this idea of surprise and delight to the lessonly identity and the brand, but also to who I was hiring. Like we had a situation where... Um, this guy named Ben Battaglia, who I think you should interview for this, by the way. So he, that's also another commitment. So I'll pull that out and send yeah, that. Yeah, you can, that, 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 I can text him right now. He'll do it. But, uh, <laughs> he, he, he interviewed for a content marketing role 
and he was running a nonprofit in Illinois. He was up against a couple people who had done content marketing already a software company. And it was neck and neck. And we, at the end of the interview process, you're supposed to do a 90 day presentation. Like what are you going to do in the first 90 days? And that's kind of helps us, uh, figure out if people can communicate appropriately, listen appropriately throughout the interview process. He did a whole Star Wars theme, brought little keychains with Star Wars figurines and gave it to everybody based off of what he learned about each of us. And he, we hired him on the spot. And, and oh. out, outside of outside of a couple other people I've hired, he has had the greatest impact, both from how I think about marketing, but you know, he's leading marketing for a local company here in Indy now. And it was this idea of you go above and beyond on delighting people. It, you know, it will, it will bring massive dividends no matter what it is, no matter whether you're talking about customer growth or revenue growth or just people enjoying working with you. So that's that's the been the philosophy that I've used at Lessonly, even at Seismic when I was there for for a year after the acquisition, yeah. and now and now here at Jellyfish, it's our main statement for the marketing team is surprise and delight. Well, and you were, I mean, I remember some of the stuff that y'all did to surprise and delight, um, because you were you were at uh, Lessonly during the pandemic, right? Yeah. And so then I think the creative thing that you guys did, didn't you put like coloring books together and like mail them to families and all sorts yeah. of stuff to keep kids entertained? And I mean, just yeah, something we, that you wouldn't think a software company would do, right? No. And we did like, we had a direct mail campaign about with Netflix and a margarita mixer. And then we hired career coaches for our customers that got laid off. And it was mostly just a decision to say, um, well, we were terrified because we didn't want to spend a bunch of money against marketing when everybody had no idea what the hell was yeah, going well, on. In the world, happen, right? Yeah. I mean, we were, I don't even, it seems like, it seems like a lifetime ago that that happened, but, um, you know, so we reverted marketing dollars to say, Hey, what's the best way that we can surprise and delight people that are rift. And so we hired career coaches and we had webinars and people got to, we paid for, um, counseling for a couple people that that were customers. So there's just a lot that, but that was that was ingrained in the culture of Lessonly as well. And Max, Max and Connor did a great job building that foundation from the very beginning. So you know, as I've as I've grown in my career and I've jumped from companies and I've I've re, you know looked at a ton of companies, whether that's investment or you know a job or consulting or advising, you've got to have that foundation from the beginning. And if you're looking for a company like that, you know, it's much easier to plug into somebody that has that foundation already built. Um, And it, and it will, usually it will work out and it's been, it's worked out for me, which is great, but you know, you gotta, you gotta spend time uh, vetting those opportunities, but I kind of got what got off on a tangent there, but that's, the, no, well, that's I mean, I think that's I good. For. Well, I mean, that kind of dovetails into just like leadership and good company culture, because I mean, I think a lot of companies talk about core values, talk about culture, talk about all that stuff. Right. But then don't really implement any of it. I mean, anyone like, I mean, you, I can't think of anybody that's not out there like, 
trying to promote their company and like hiring people that says, oh, come join us. We work hard. We play hard. We have a great culture and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, it is very rare. Like, yeah. and I think this is where like the, the stuff that you were putting out for Lesson Lee and the things like you kind of, I feel as if your LinkedIn strategy was a little like, hey, let me pull the curtain back a little bit and show you guys the DNA of this company and the people of the company and our values and our um, the methodology behind the madness. I feel like that was your strategy, whether you meant to do it on purpose. That's how well, I perceived it. it. Yeah, but it's it's it goes back to what we talked about originally, which is if you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to and well, it's easy for a marketer to say this, but you're going to yeah. tell the story no matter what. And it wasn't it wasn't a hey, we should talk about lessonly values we should talk about share before ready and empathetic leadership and how you should build teams it was that it was something we talked about quite regularly and the same thing at jellyfish i think that every company has a lot of work to do on how they think about their values and their and their and their culture but like jellyfish jet fast but don't wreck is a is a is a value and yeah. you know we've themed it around an ocean theme of course because jellyfish <laughs> but it. it's or see what you know, did there. <laughs> surf to more for glow brightly or any of that stuff. Lessonly, yeah. the values were action oriented. So it was make time for life, share before ready, have difficult conversations. So it was, it was, um, I mean, an exact target, surprise and delight. Yep. It was actionable. Yeah. And you got to spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. It can't just be go to chat GPT and say, here's our business. Give us a list of values. That's right. Yeah. 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 Give me, yeah. Tell me all the values that I, you know, should have for my company. They have, yeah, you have to spend time on it and they have to be meaningful to your company, yeah. right? Like they have to align also with what you believe in and what you find necessary yep. and important. Um, all right. I know we're almost out of time, but, uh, cause, and I can't believe it's already like, we've already been going for 40 minutes. It seems like we've just started. Um, so we'll have to do episode two, but, as you look back over your career, is there anything that you would have done differently? <laughs> is that another uh, episode? Did I just like yeah. hit you with like, hey, can we have another 35 minutes? <laughs> yeah, no, I look, I I don't. It's very hard for me to answer those questions, that, that type of question, because every decision that I made has led to where I'm at today from a career perspective, are there, are there situations where I should have treated somebody better or maybe I should have taken more advantage of all the conferences I was going to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should have spent more time cultivating more relationships with people. Like there's always, but that's part of what drives me to begin with. It's I'm never satisfied, which is, Sounds terrible. It's and a blessing I and a curse, probably. It's right? a blessing and a curse, and I yeah. and I definitely go do therapy because of it. But it's <laughs> it, but it, it dropped like it's what drives me. It's like uh, I I really enjoy what I do, and I'm lucky that now are there are there weeks and uh, months and days that I'm like, oh my gosh, I could not I cannot do this anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are. And that, and it happens and, um, that's life, but I've been very lucky and it's because I really enjoy what I do. And so I don't know if I would change anything. Would I have brought on the business partner? 
Probably not, but I probably wouldn't have left if I hadn't done that. And yeah. I would have gotten the job at Exact Target. If I had picked the other company, and maybe it turned out, maybe it would have turned out differently. Um, so who knows? But I would, been, I would, and I, and I know you're saying this, but I would argue that every decision you've made has turned out exactly the way that it was supposed to, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's easy to say. Yeah, right. I, mean, I know, but, right? You know, you well, got you got situations at Lessonly where I I had the opportunity to hire an a brilliant product marketer in 2017, and I didn't, and I put that money somewhere else. I. I would bet, I would bet, I would put money on this right now. Not hiring that person in 2017 resulted in us selling at 31 million in revenue instead of like 50 million. I think we missed out on probably 10 million in revenue because I did not hire the product marketer. Yeah, because we had, we had some trouble with moving up market. We didn't, you know, maybe we could have segmented more. We, we didn't bring on multiple product SKUs fast enough. And product marketing is like instrumental in a lot of those things. And I know that now, but I mean, that's one example. But, yeah. you know, who if we were at 50 million in revenue in, when we sold to Seismic, we might not have been sold because that yeah. was too high of a revenue mark. I yep. have no idea. So there's, you can talk about it all day long. Oh, yeah. And everything slots in the way that it should have slotted in. And you could have said ifs and buts or candies and nuts. We'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? I I was I was the last I was I was the last um, candidate for a CMO role right before COVID. And I didn't get the job. And Leslie was bought a year and a half later. And it was a great outcome for all of us. Who knows if I would have gotten the other job? Sure. What would have happened? So well, I can say this about you, and um, I hope you just accept it because uh, I'm going to still say it. But the one thing I would say that I've recognized and been able to watch that I feel sets you apart from me for most of my career, from a lot of other people that are out there, the discipline. The discipline to get up every single day make a post, write content, move the needle, um, right? And then you even said it, like there are some days that you just don't want to do it. There are some weeks you don't want to do it. Months maybe that you're like, wow, like I can't believe I have to do this or I don't feel like doing it, but you still had the discipline to do it. And I feel like that and your network and just, again, getting off the bench and continuing to stay in the game when you don't feel like, when you want to tap out, right? And you want to say, hey, time out. I need a breather. No, like you keep doing it. You keep going at it. And I think that that has been a huge reason for a lot of your success. I, I appreciate you saying that. I'm going to pull that snippet out so I can listen to it randomly. But I, you should. So I, will, I, I will send that to you. So if you can just add it to like your alarm clock ringtone yeah, in the morning. Yeah, will, will will wake me up every morning. That, that's right. I would, so the only, only thing I would add to that is you've got to be gracious with yourself and as long as you are driving to whatever goal you put in front of you the majority of the time, it's okay if you have a crappy yep. week or month. Like I had leading up to COVID, I had a crappy six months um, at where I just, I just had no idea what I wanted to do professionally. And um, I found myself again. I had to go through something where I really wanted a CMO role. Yeah. And I didn't get it. 
But that realigned me to Lessonly and Scott is one of the conversations I had with Scott Dorsey. And he was like, I really think you should stick it through it. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's, but you got to forgive yourself for, because especially for those that are listening that are in high growth software that are, you're, you're living lifetimes in two, three, four years. You just have, you have to remember to forgive yourself for times when you, it just doesn't work. Like seismic, I burned out in nine months, burned out. I was, yeah. and I had to, it was an ego hit for me, but I had to make the call that, Hey, this is not going to be sustainable for me yeah. in the future. And because of that, I'm, I'm at a great company, a jellyfish now. So look, I mean, maybe maybe it's reality distortion field. I think I think uh, Walter Isaacson coined that as part of Steve Jobs is like what he did well, where it's you just ignore everything else, <laughs> just ignore it all yeah. and just stay yeah. in your lane. Everything's but, great. Everything's well, great. <laughs> dude, I think that that is probably I'm gonna pull that snippet out about being gracious with yourself and use it as a clip because I mean I think that a lot of people are very hard on themselves and they don't give themselves grace. To make mistakes and i think a lot of companies don't push yeah, that as yeah. like a culture thing either like hey ship it before it needs to be shipped and break things and then fix it later and try things because that's how we learn right we're not perfect human beings we right. make a ton of mistakes you know i mean me and you will probably make five more mistakes this afternoon right and so it's just giving yourself that grace Definitely. keep moving that's and keep definitely. learning yeah <laughs> Well, man, dude, this has been awesome. I, we're probably going to have to do like a volume two or episode two to keep just sure. like keeping up um, with what you've got going on. Um, thank you so much for coming on and instilling your wisdom amongst all 25 people that download this. Uh, there, there, there's more. There will be more. It, it's going to explode after this, I feel like. Yeah, uh, hey, like I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in, Well, You know that. I know, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you.